the privileges of the good news and the purpose of the good news. Hi there and welcome. We're talking about good news today from the book of Romans. We're in chapter one. It's there that we would invite you to join us as we continue our survey of this marvelous book, Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City comes your way next here on KFAX. Join us for some good news. The privileges of the good news and, as mentioned a moment ago, the purpose of the good news. Welcome. This is Graceful Truth, and we are looking at the good news. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is laid out by the Apostle Paul here in Romans. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God. Now that's real privilege, as we'll see today. Join us for a marvelous look at good news. Here's Pastor Steve Converse now with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. What is apostleship? What was an apostle? Apostle was someone who was sent out to preach the good news to others. Matter of fact, Jesus is called an apostle. Hebrews 3.11, or 3.1, it says, Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. He was sent. The term apostle must be seen in a wider scheme here. Because Jesus Christ himself is an apostle. He was sent from the Father. And in the broadest sense, it really refers to anybody who is sent as a gospel messenger. Anyone who is sent on a spiritual mission. We're called and we're saved to be sent to reach the world. That's that's the purpose. Paul is saying that there's not only grace of salvation, but there's also the challenge of being sent Both Paul and Barnabas are referred to as apostles. And Barnabas wasn't one of the twelve, nor was he equivalent to Paul. But he was still one who was sent. Well, we understand it in the broad sense, but we also have to understand it in a unique sense. Because there's people in the church today that claim that they are apostles, capital A. (laughs) Like an extension of the twelve. I mean, Paul's apostleship was very unique. There was no other apostle like him. He had a special call from God. But we looked at a couple weeks ago what was required to be one of that original group of apostles. You had to have a personal call by Christ. That's why it was so important that Christ come down personally and meet Saul on the road to Damascus and call him and to serve him to be an apostle because he saw the risen Christ. You had to be called by Christ. You had to see the risen Christ. You had to have... Miracles and and signs gifted to you through the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's true that all true believers are sent ones in the, the generic sense. But not all believers are apostles in the first century sense. In the founding of the church sense. But don't ever forget that every believer is called to reach the world for Christ. How you do that, that's how God gifts us and calls us and equips us. I often say that Christianity is not a... A, for spectators. It's not for spectators. You should be serving Christ somehow, some way, with how he's gifted you. The Lord doesn't place you on his team just to allow you to sit on the bench every week. He intends to send you into the game. He, he wants to use you. He's created you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows the gifts, the abilities that you, you have. 
and he wants you to use them for his glory. I mean, have you ever thought about serving Christ? What a high calling that is. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship. Paul's writing this. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. Listen, created in Christ Jesus onto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. He already prepared them for us. I think that's just, just amazing. Ephesians 4.1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk a walk worthy of the vocation to which you were called. See, there's something about becoming a Christian that, that, that it's, it's a much higher um, standard of living. And I think that it's important that we, we realize that and we begin to question ourselves, well, how is God using me? How has God gifted me? How could I be used in the church for His glory? So many times when you enter into ministry, you're ordained into the ministry, a group of, of elders or older men in Christ come around you and affirm that well, we see the giftings and the callings and the call of God upon your life. And as, as, as men who are already in the ministry, we want, we want to bless you and, and affirm you in the ministry. And I mean, that's a nice thing to go through, but it's, 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 it's something that we have created. <laughs> I mean, it speaks of Men laying hands on Timothy and, you know, this, this kind of a thing. But, but as far as this, this idea that, well, you have to be ordained. Beloved, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are ordained. You're ordained by the Most High God to do exactly what he's called you to do. So we see the way that God provides for us. He wants us to be involved. He, he wants us to serve him through the grace and apostleship that he's given to us. But look also here, he talks about the proclamation of the good news. He says, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. To proclaim the good news for the obedience to the faith among all nations. Paul is saying here that you've been called to Christ. And because you've been called to Christ, you should go out and you should call others to Christ. That's the picture. I mean, the good news concerning Jesus Christ leads us to proclaim the same good news to everybody else we come across. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to give our testimony, how Christ has saved us. It's not, you don't give a testimony just to build yourself up. Sometimes you hear some testimonies and you begin, and you begin to wonder, well, where, 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 when are they going to get to the, the, the God-honoring part? You know, they talk about how bad they were and how they did all the stuff. And, and I mean, that's great to give it perspective. But I've heard some testimonies, that's all they talk about. Yeah, I was a bad dude, man. I had this, I had money, I had women. I had, uh, 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 and they go on and on and on and on and on and on. And then I got saved. Praise the Lord. And they sit down. It's like, wait a minute. You just gave glory to all of your past sins. And then, hey, God saved you. Sit down. I mean, that, your testimony should have part of that. So that you under, people understand, well, what were you saved from? But it should also deal with the present. That, that God is working in your life every day. And it should deal with the future. This is the vision that God has given me. Or this is the calling that God has given me. I challenge you. If you've never sat down with a piece of paper and wrote out your testimony. It's a great exercise to do. Even if you've been saved for 50 years, go back and, and, and think about how you were saved and, and how would I tell somebody if I had five minutes 
the gospel, how would I relate to them? The easiest way to do it is share your testimony. If you sit down and you write your testimony out, boy, you've done it. You can look at it and you can criticize it and you can go back and, well, I don't know if I want to put that in there or maybe I'll take that out or whatever. And you get it down to, to it's, a, it's, a, it's a story that you can tell. And it's real because it's changed your life. Well, man is designed, it says here, for obedience to Christ. Look at verse 5. It says, to bring about the obedience of what? Faith. The obedience of faith. Paul said the same thing all the way at the end of the book in Romans chapter 16. According, verse 26, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all the nations for the obedience of faith. What is the obedience of faith? What's that saying? It's, it's basically, Paul wants us to understand that if we're saying we have faith, and we have faith in Christ, it will result in obedience. The result of faith is always obedience. One commentator said, show me someone who says he believes in Christ and lives a life of total disobedience, and I'll show you somebody who's not redeemed. I used to tell kids in the youth group, look, it's great you go to camp, and it's great you get saved again, and, you know, you come back and you're on, you know, spiritual zone way up here, and you're, you're going to conquer the world for Christ. That's great. But let me t- share with you one thing. I'd always say, you know what? No Jesus, no change. No change, no Jesus. You want to tell me you're a Christian? You want to tell me that you've come to Christ? Well, what change has he made in your life? What changes is he making now? That, that's an ongoing thing. We're called to become more and more and more like Christ each and every day. It's not just a, a one time, I did it, that's it, move on, something else. What, what else can I do now? No, that's not the way Christianity operates. Our faith demands obedience. That's why there's different kinds of faith. There's dead faith and there's obedient faith. Faith, if it doesn't manifest itself in ways that we become obedient, is dead. James chapter 2, verse 20 says, Well, you know, O vain man, that faith without works is what? Is dead. It doesn't say faith without faith means you have no faith. No, it says there's a faith, but there's a dead faith. You can have faith, but it can be a dead faith. That's why we're not saved by works. We're saved on two works. Christianity is a call for people to be obedient to the faith. When you put your faith, your trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, you affirm your obedience to him. You're saying, now I, I have a new Lord. I have, I have someone now that I'm accountable to. And I, I'm going to be interested in finding out what he wants me to do because I want to do it. It's like when you get a new job and you, you go into a new job and you figure out, okay, okay, who's my boss? Who's the, his boss? And you got the whole, you know, thing worked out. You'd be a fool to go in there and say, you know what? I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what my boss thinks. I don't care what his boss thinks. I'm just going to do my own thing. You won't be there very long. That'd be foolish. No, you want to you wanna have some sense of, of kind of team. You, you want to please the guy that's over you. You want to do a good job so that he comes to you and says, hey, great job, that's good. When we come to Christ, we can't just say, okay, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I trust you as my Savior, and now I'm just going to go do my own thing. That's not biblical. 
the gospel message tells us in Matthew 28, verse 20, that we need to go out into the world and we need to make disciples and we need to teach them, what's it say? To observe, right, all things whatsoever I commanded you. Christians say, oh yeah, come to me as your Savior and then you can go do whatever you want. That's not what he said. And yet, so many times, I think that's how we treat salvation. You know, it's refreshing sometimes. This may be hard for you to understand, but it's refreshing sometimes when you're sharing the gospel with somebody. And rather than them just going, oh, praise the Lord, yeah, well, how do I pray? What do I do? You know, yeah, yeah, let me sign on the line. Oh, I'm a Christian now. It's so refreshing to talk to somebody and say, wow, that's, that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty uh, heavy commitment. I mean, that's, I'm going to have to think about this. I say, yes. When I hear that, go think about it. Consider it. Because I know God's working in their heart. And they're not just going to settle for a dead faith. They want something that's real. If they're going to follow Christ, they want to make sure that it's real. That it's really going to do what it says it's going to do. Unfortunately, that's not the message people are hearing today. We must call people to faith, beloved, but to a faith that obeys the word of God. It's not a faith to just do your own thing. And I would say people that say they believe and yet they live their own life according to their own plan and their own, their own desires and they're living in the life of disobedience, I would say they don't have genuine saving faith because people who believe in Christ and follow him will obey him. And that's the second kind of faith, obedient faith. See, it's not that Faith plus obedience equals salvation. That's not what we're saying. But obedient faith equals salvation. True faith is always verified by one's obedience to God. I mean, that's why he is called Jesus Christ the what? The Lord. Paul said to the Roman Christians, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout all the world. Says that in verse 8. Why was their faith spoken out about for others throughout all the world? Tells us in, in Romans 16 9, your obedience is come abroad unto all men. Their faith was an obedient faith. You can't have one without the other. You can't have a faith and not be obedient. The Bible teaches that someone who lives a life of absolute disobedience cannot cannot be a Christian because they do not recognize the Lordship of Christ. I don't know what you believe, but you don't come to Jesus piecemeal. Either you come bearing everything and bringing everything you got, or you don't come at all. You can't come to Jesus just for the saving part and then say, well, I'll, I'll deal with the obedience later. I'll, I'll, I'll make him Lord later when I'm a little more mature. No, it doesn't work that way. When you come to Christ, you come to him as Savior and Lord. Romans 10 tells us in verse 9, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? You'll be saved. And then it says this, and this is so important that we include this verse, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, faith without obedience won't save anybody. Matter of fact, it's a fraud. It's, it's a Ponzi scheme. It, it basically takes a bunch of people on the broad way, the path of destruction. 
Read Romans 7, right? There's going to be a lot of people that stand before Jesus one day and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done this? Haven't we done that? Haven't we, you know, list of all these different miracles and everything that they've done? Good things. And he says, no, sorry, I don't even know who you are. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 speaks of holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Earlier I said, no, no Jesus, no change, no change, no Jesus. Well, think of it this way, no holiness, no heaven. And your holiness isn't always dependent on simply what you do. It's a position, but it also has a practical way that we live it out as well. Well, he goes on here and he basically tells us that we're designed to obey Christ, but we're also designed... For evangelism. It's our calling. It's designated to us. He says in verse 6, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Do you know that we have been called, believers have been called to faith in Christ? You don't just wake up one day and just arrive there. We have come out of a life of The Bible says disobedience into a life of obedience. From unbelief into faith. And because we've been called ourselves, we're obliged, the Bible says, that we should be calling others to Christ. There's a lot of people that look at the idea of being called and chosen and all that and say, okay, well, I guess God's going to work it all out. You know, I'm not going to go evangelize anybody because he's going to save who he's going to save. It's not up to me. Well, you're right. It's not up to you. But that's a disobedient heart right there because God has called us to go to all the nations to preach the gospel. Let him work out who's chosen, who's not, all that. We're just to be obedient. That's what we're called to do. So we're to proclaim the word of God. We're also, we see here the privileges of God, the good news of the gospel in verse 7. He starts right off in verse 7. He says, to all those in Rome who are beloved or loved by God. Isn't it wonderful to know that our God, the God that created everything around us, He loves us? He he doesn't have a grudge. He's not up there with a big stick ready to hit you as soon as you step out of line. That's not the God we serve. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says there, God who is rich in mercy for His great love with which He loved us And I love this part, even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive together in Christ. Do you know that God loved you so much? He loved you even when you were dead in sin. I don't know if you've ever been around a dead body, but I've been around quite a few. And sometimes I've been around a dead body a little longer than I'd like to be. Several hours waiting for the coroner to come and pick up the deceased or the mortuary. And the longer I stay there around those dead bodies, you begin to smell the decay of a dead body. There's times sometimes where I can't even, can't even stay in the house. I'll say something like, you know, I got to go outside and wait for the corner. I'll be back. Because the people dealing with the loss are, that's just kind of going right over them. They're not, they're not connecting it. You try to open up some windows. You try to relieve them of this decaying body. See, God loved us when we were dead. 
We were dead in sin, it says. There's nothing a dead body can do to make itself stop from stinking. Can't clean itself up. It can't, you know, light a little candle and say, here, this will help out. You know, I know I'm stinking up here. I'm dead. You can't do that. Dead body can't do anything. That's why 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. He's given us that we should be called the children of God. Because God loved us when we were yet sinners, dead in our trespasses and sin. That verse there in John, 1 John, where it says, Behold what manner of love, that, that idea the phrase there, what manner of love, it, it comes from a, a, a Greek word and it really means to something foreign. Like where did this love come from? This is a love we've never seen before. It's kind of like it's otherworldly. God's love for mankind is so different from any other kind of love, beloved, that it's, it's from another planet. It's not the kind of love you share with your wife or your kids. It's, it's far above that. God's love for mankind is different from any other kind of love we've ever experienced. That's why Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. And you know what the good news is about this love? Once you're connected to it, Romans 8 tells us that what shall separate us from this love? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is nothing. Nothing at all can separate you from the love of Christ. I mean, sometimes we think, well, you know, I don't know if Paul, you know, is dealing with what I'm dealing with. Uh, maybe, maybe if he was dealing with what I'm dealing with in my life, he, he wouldn't have written these words. No. He says there, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, Paul says. He doesn't say, well, maybe it'll work out. Possibly. No, he says, you know what? In this I am sure, without a doubt, that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news. That helps me sleep at night. I'm glad it's not left up to me to keep me saved every day. I mean, some of these folks that have the idea that somehow they can lose their salvation one day I mean, what a horrible religion. What a horrible belief. How could you ever rest in the peace and assurance of God's promises if you thought for a second that somehow the only way you're going to get to heaven if you're good enough to get there. And that any moment God could step into the picture and say, oh, sorry, you blew it, pal. You're going to hell. We're called. We're beloved of God. We're called of God, it says. Called. That's an effectual call. See, there's a... There's a, a, a general call in the Bible, and there's also an effectual call, specific call. The general call basically is in places like Isaiah 45, 22, where it says, Be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no one else. Does that mean that everybody's going to be saved? No. That's a general call to salvation. 
In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, the Lord says, Isaiah declared, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Ezekiel 33, 11 says, Turn, you turn from your evil ways. Even Jesus in the New Testament used a general call. In verse, or chapter 11, verse 28 of Matthew, he says, Come unto me, all ye who are that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.